Hey there, this is Emily Hoover, and we are so glad that you are listening to the Mission Point Community Church podcast. It's our prayer that this helps you grow in your relationship with Jesus and encourages you to show and share the love of Jesus everywhere you go. Thanks for tuning in. Now let's dive into the message. This morning, I have the thrilling task of starting um, a journey through the month of December. We are just going to spend some time uh, discovering and delighting in the person of Jesus Christ, which is what our souls were ultimately created for, which is what we ultimately long for at the deepest parts of who we are. Yeah, 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 I get it. You have dreams and you have desires and you have things on your Christmas list, and I hope you get at least some of them. But at the end of the day, what you long for more than anything is to discover and delight in the person of Jesus Christ. Yeah, 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 I understand, especially this time of year, you are reminded of some of the struggles and some of the tensions that you long to see resolved, and we pray that the Lord would show up in incredible ways, but beyond the longing to experience resolution, you long to discover and delight in the person of Jesus Christ. Christ. He is the point. And through the month of December, we just want to spend some time discovering and delighting in Jesus and leaning into the very thing we were created for, the very thing that our souls long for most. And what better place to do that than in Colossians chapter 1? Uh, I'm going to have you turn there, but if you do it now, you're going to be just sitting in Colossians for a few moments as we kind of set the stage and get a sense of the context of what's happening before we read these words. Uh, if you happen to be part of the Grace College community, then this is going to be a familiar text of Scripture because your theme, all things, is taken out of Colossians chapter 1. So this is going to be new um, to some of us, but to many of you, this is going to be very familiar. Colossians chapter 1. We want to get a sense of what's happening before we read this passage of Scripture. So listen, I I hope you came and didn't check your mind out at the door. Um, Maybe you're a note taker and there'll be a lot of opportunity for you uh, to take notes um, this morning. But we are going to kind of start in class, if you will, as we get a sense of um, the background. So um, this is a letter, and this letter um, we are about to peer into is written by Paul. Um, Paul was one of uh, the chief spokespersons of Jesus to the early church. Um, Paul, a church planter extraordinaire. Paul, um, the author of at least 13 of the 27 New Testament books. That Paul, well, Paul is in prison, he's incarcerated because he was talking a little bit too much about Jesus. While Paul is in prison, he's visited by a man named Epaphras. When Epaphras gets there, he starts to tell Paul about a church that he, Epaphras, helped to plant in a city called Colossae. Colossae is located in... um, modern-day Turkey, and and Epaphras is telling Paul all about it. Uh, These folks have believed in the person of Jesus, and there is a hunger in that place, and they are growing to know and love. They are growing to discover and delight in the person of Jesus Christ, and it is amazing. And then he tells Paul, but recently a concern has emerged. More than a concern, a threat has emerged in and around the church in Colossae. There's a group of very compelling teachers who have shown up 
And they are starting to invite the Colossians to believe ideologies that are diluting their faith in the person of Jesus Christ. And chief of all of those ideologies is one known as Gnosticism. You had no idea when you woke up this morning that you came to church to hear about Gnosticism. Gnosticism was this um, ideology that taught that there was a special group of people, a special category of people who had a secret knowledge about spiritual things that gave them a unique understanding of God and an exclusive access to him. It was a group that taught there was a way to have this special knowledge and be a special person and have special access to God. And if you don't have this special knowledge, I'm sorry, but you stand on the outskirts of who God is. And if you listen to us, we will show you the way to live this special, unique, enlightened life, Gnosticism. And here are some of the things that Gnosticism um, taught. Mainly, Gnosticism, Gnosticism believed that there are these two great worlds, and these two great worlds are in constant conflict with each other. And here's how it went. There was the spiritual world, and there was the physical world. There was the heavenly world and there was the earthly world. There was the invisible world and then there was the visible world. There was the unseen world and then there was the seen world. And these two worlds were constantly in conflict with each other. There was the good world and there was the evil world. And what they believed was everything in the spiritual world, everything in the invisible world, everything in the heavenly world was good. Everything in the earthly world, everything in the physical and the visible world was messed up, broken, and evil. In fact, the Gnostics would believe all matter was evil. There was a world of God and there was a world of man or humanity, right? Running things in the invisible world was this transcendent and holy God that they referred to as the great father. And the great father ran things in the good and perfect world. He lived in unapproachable light and no one could get to him. And down here on earth, running things in the broken, messed up world was humanity. Once again, constantly in conflict and never in contact. They lived in complete and utter distance and opposition to each other. That teaching obviously ended up having some incredible implications. Here's what they believed about creation, for instance. Um, since this holy and transcendent and perfect God Father had nothing to do with the brokenness of matter and earth and humanity, there is no way that this God created this broken, messed up world. So here's what they believed. This great God created like a middle world between heaven and earth. And in this middle world, he created these um, 
angelic beings that were lesser than he was. There were a category beneath him as God. And those um, angelic beings apparently served as middle management. And these angelic beings created other angelic beings that were a little less than they were. And they still lived in this middle world, but they were a little lesser in ranking. And then those angelic beings created lesser angelic beings. And at some point, one of the lowest rungs of angelic beings created the world. And in that theory, the perfect Holy Father who lived in transcended light had no contact with the earth and he could maintain plausible deniability and not get contaminated by any of that nonsense. It is a fascinating, fascinating um, ideology. Um, now, at some point, they realized there was a glitch in the system and the glitch in the system was humanity. And here's what they believed about humanity. Um, one of these lower mids apparently created these human beings. And in the human being was a glitch. And here was the glitch. Human beings apparently ended up being created with both spiritual and physical wrapped up in one. In fact, here's what they would say. Human beings were these perfect flawless, spiritual, invisible beings that were trapped in these broken, messed up physical bodies. So now this war and conflict lived inside the human being. And so this is what they said about salvation. Salvation was figuring out a way to liberate and free your perfect spirit person to eventually float up and live with the perfect father forever and ever and ever when you die. If you could figure out a way to free your perfect spirit from your messed up broken body, then you get to live with a father in heaven forever and ever and ever, which meant salvation for the Gnostic was really, for them, this idea about um, either living th this life and hoping that if you connected with one of these Gnostic teachers, that they would give you the secret trick or the secret magical way of getting free of your body and up to God. They would teach you how you can be enlightened and then you can be saved. Very fascinating. A couple more things since we're learning all about Gnosticism. Uh, here's what they believed about morality. And this is going to prove fascinating over the next few weeks. Um, if you wanted to live a moral life, then you had to figure out a way right, to detach yourself from everything that had anything to do with the physical world, right? And so you could not do anything that had anything to do with pleasure or feeling good or, or things of that sort. And so, man, you had to just beat your body into submission and punish yourself. And they would literally do that to their bodies right? Evil body, and you just beat yourself up, and you would deprive yourself of anything that even felt remotely good, and then you would just veer off into the wilderness and live as a monk, you know, out and away from everything. That was one way to live a moral life. There was another way, by the way, to live a moral life, and this one was fascinating. 
This one said, no, once you start to learn the secrets of enlightenment, you can just do whatever you want in your body. It is a broken, beat up, wrecked rental. You might as well drive this sucker off the cliff. You might as well take it for a spin, do whatever you want in it. It doesn't matter because all matter is evil anyway. As long as you meditate and you get in touch with the inner spiritual being, and then when you die, it will float off to be with God. But in the meantime, boy, you better just do whatever you want in your body. It doesn't matter anyway. Oh, and then there's the, the matter of Jesus. The Gnostics showed up um, to the church in Colossae, and they said, and I, yeah, Jesus, no, 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 Jesus is cool. Cool messenger. Jesus was one of the mids that was created in this middle realm. And um, God actually assigned him the task of coming down to earth as a messenger to teach the special group of people the secrets of somehow getting free from our earthly bodies and going back up to heaven. Jesus was a cool messenger from the angelic realm of middle management. So, yes, he appeared to be a human being on earth, but he really wasn't. He was an angel who just appeared that way. It was the epic apparition of all apparitions. Oh yeah, he went to the cross, but on the cross he just appeared to suffer, but he didn't suffer because he wasn't really a human being. And yeah, he appeared to die, but he didn't really die because really he was not human. But other than that, Jesus was pretty cool. Gnosticism. So Epaphras comes and he tells Paul that this is starting to gain traction in Colossae. And when Paul hears that, he loses his righteous mind. And he takes out his 2B pencil and some parchment. And he starts to write this letter to the church at Colossae to combat this ideology of Gnosticism, which was starting to sound appealing to them. Because what is true about us was true about them. And what Paul started of all of the things Paul could have addressed, he started by talking about Jesus. They've said a bunch of things, but none more significant than what they are saying about Jesus. Again, because Paul understood what was true about us was true about them. What you believe about Jesus, that is going to define life here on earth and it's going to determine life beyond the grave. If you miss or you mess with or you minimize the person of Jesus, everything else falls apart. And so what Paul does in order to combat Gnosticism in that culture is he addresses who Jesus is in the book of Colossians and he starts with this glorious rant about the beauty and the badness of Jesus Christ. So. Can we just read the Bible together? And if you stayed with me through the class of Gnosticism, you will enjoy this very much. Colossians chapter one, verse 15. 
Now you know. Jesus. The son. (laughs) We could just stop there, and we will. But we're going to keep reading. He is the son, and he is the image of the invisible God. He is the firstborn over all creation. For in Jesus, all things were created. Things in heaven, yep, things on earth, those two. Visible, yep, invisible, those two. Whether thrones or powers or mids or whatever or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him, Jesus, and ultimately for him. Verse 17, he, Jesus, he is before all things. And in him, all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. Because he died. So that in everything, he might have the supremacy. Verse 19, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in Jesus And through Jesus to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on a cross. Woo! (laughs) Man, I'm just telling you, by the way, when you study the Bible and you, 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 you get a sense of why the author said what they said and what they were speaking into, it has this beautiful way of accentuating the significance of the words they use. Paul is not mincing words or writing things accidentally. He's addressing who Jesus is in the context of these particular Concerns, Man, the Bible is so good, and Jesus is even better. And over the next few weeks, we just want to sit in this section of Scripture and unravel the beauty and the badness of, of Jesus. Because what we believe about Jesus will shape everything else. But for this morning, we just want to spend some time in that first phrase that Paul makes, that first declaration about Jesus. So now we just want to talk theologically just a little bit. Colossians chapter 1 verse 15, and here's what he says. Jesus, the son, is the image of the invisible God. And I cannot even imagine how powerfully this would have rang out in the ears of the Colossians as they are reading this. If this is true about Jesus, he's even better than Epaphras ever taught us. Paul comes out of the gates and he says, yeah, Jesus is the son of God. Jesus is the son of God. Jesus he says, is the son of the transcendent father God who lives in unapproachable light. By the way, I'm curious to know if you believe that. I'm curious to know if you believe Jesus is the son of God. This would have shook 
the Colossians as they understood it in context. Jesus is not some angel. Jesus is the son of God. Jesus isn't some mid-level management lesser being. Jesus is the son of God. Jesus isn't some messenger sent from some middle realm. He is the son of God. That is so significant, y'all. And if you grow up in the church, you're going to hear these phrases. And after a while, we just kind of treat it like white noise. And we miss the significance of what these things mean. Jesus is the son of God. What? Just saying. I have a son, I have one of these, and a whole lot of daughters. Um, here's the thing um, about my son is, whatever stuff I'm made of, my son is made of the same stuff. It's really interesting, like we're made out of the same Simfokwe material. Um, I just thought I'd share that with, with all of you. Um, but my son is not made out of some inferior stuff or inferior substance. Um, whatever capacity I have, my son has same capacity. Um, in fact, one of my dreams as a dad is that my son would surpass me in every single way possible, which is fascinating, by the way, when you read the scriptures, uh, God the Father and God the Son and the way they interact with each other, where, where God the, the, the Father's like, no, Son, you be glorified, and the Son is like, no, Father, you be glorified, no, Son, you be glorified, right? No, 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 you surpass, no, you surpass, right? There's this constant, incredible deference. Um, the thing about my son, too, is he grew up in my house. He did not live in some inferior quarters somewhere. He grew up in my house. Matter of fact, a lot of the time, he took the place over like it was his house, and I had to remind him. Um, Jesus was not from some lesser realm. Paul is making this announcement. Jesus is the son of God. Whatever God is in substance, Jesus is the same, equal in substance. Whatever God is made of, Jesus is made of the same stuff. If God is transcendent and holy and lives in unapproachable light, Jesus, that's Jesus' house too. Jesus is the sun and the stuff and the substance of God. I wonder if you believe that. Because listen to me, if the version of Jesus you believe is in any way from some realm below or is some kind, somehow lesser than God the Father, listen to me, if Christmas deludes us into believing, well, sweet little cute baby Jesus who is powerless, we are going to end up believing in a Jesus who cannot hold our worlds. We're going to end up believing in a Jesus who cannot sustain our souls in the way we most desperately need them. Jesus is a son of God. 
Paul says. And then he takes it to a whole other level. And he says, oh, and Jesus is the picture of God. Jesus is the image of God. And man, this would have... He's not just equal to God in substance. He is God. And I wonder if you believe that. And I'm tricking y'all because if y'all end up saying, I believe is the son of God, and you end up saying, I believe is God, or you will mess around and find yourself following after him radically. He is God. Paul says he is the physical expression of the spiritual God. This would have blown their minds. No, 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 no. These two worlds have nothing to do with each other. And Paul's going to mess with their whole worldview and he's going to mess with ours as we realize how many places in our worlds were like, no, 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 no. He has to do with that area, but not this area. These two don't come in contact. I can do what I want in this area. And then Jesus only has to do with this area. And, and Paul is going to just mash the worlds up. And he's doing that for them here. Jesus is a physical expression of a spiritual God, spiritual father. He's not some kind of ghost. He's not some kind of apparition. He's a real physical being who came from heaven to earth. That would have blown their minds to show us what the invisible God looks like. And you can only be the image the expression of God in the way Paul's using it, if that is what you actually are. He is a son who has come to show us what God looks like. Again, this would have blown their minds, and I pray that it will never stop blowing ours. No one has said stuff like Paul is saying. Um, I don't know if you knew this, but God is here right now. Uh, God is omnipresent. He is everywhere all at once. Uh, technically, everything is always before his presence. He is in this room right now, I promise you. Also, I dare you to look around and see if you can locate his exact spot in the room. No one even tried. It's interesting. Um, he's in this room, but you cannot see him because the Gnostics will write about this, that he is a spiritual being. John chapter 4, verse 24, God is spirit, which means he is imperceptible. He is invisible to the human eye. But more than that, if you study the Bible, he's not just invisible, he's also incomprehensible, which means even if you got special glasses and you were able to see God in this room, a glimpse of the holy transcendent God would crash your system and you would die on the spot. The Bible says no human being can look on God and live. It is impossible. It will 
kill you in a moment, which creates this absolutely tragic dilemma in which humanity and God are constantly at a distance because we can never see him and we cannot approach him. And so we live at this distance and then we have to start guessing and trying to figure out, I wonder what God is like, which explains why religions exist. Religion is man's attempt to put dimension and form around a God that we cannot see. Religion is man's attempt to figure out, is there some way that we can see him? And if we can see him, is there some way that we can approach him and get close to him? And every single attempt has failed. And so you study the beauty and the glory of the Bible and this time of year is that God in a completely unprovoked act of kindness just lashes out and he says to humanity, listen, y'all can try as much as you want and you will never be able to come to me. I'm going to have to come to you. You all can do whatever you want to try and create religions and ideas of who I am, but you will never be able to see me unless I show myself to you. And Paul says, Merry Christmas. Here is Jesus. Jesus is the invisible God making himself visible to humanity in a way that will not kill us. All of a sudden, you can look at God. Jesus is an invisible and transcendent God making himself accessible to human beings who otherwise would have no way of getting to him so that all of a sudden, people can come near to God. He is the image of the invisible God. But more than that, here's the beauty of what Paul is saying. Jesus Christ is what God looks like. If you want to know what God looks like, Paul says, Jesus is the image of God. He's the physical expression of God. And in fact, we'll see this, it blows the mind. It says the fullness of God dwells in Jesus. This is powerful what we celebrate at this time of year. God's saying, when humanity thinks about me, you have tried for generations and generations and failed, but now when humanity thinks about me, I want them to picture Jesus. He is how I've chosen to express myself to you. You wanna know what I look like? Stare at Jesus. You wanna know? Me as God gets to know Jesus. My fullness dwells in him. This is why Jesus says, John chapter 14, verse 7. If you really know me, you will know my father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Jesus is saying, you've seen me, you've seen him. Verse 9, anyone who sees me has seen the father. So how can you say, show us the Father. And I'm curious to know, by the way, if you believe that. Jesus Christ is the expression, physical expression of God. Jesus is how God wants us to think of him. Jesus is how God wants us to see him. Jesus is God in physical form. And if that's true, It will make sense to you why you hear us at this church say over and over again that it is ultimately about knowing Jesus. 
when this year started, some of you will remember this, we felt called um, on a journey to know Jesus a little more personally. And um, man, what an incredible reminder of what we believe the Spirit was calling us to as we wrap the year in this section of Scripture. John chapter 17, verse 3. Now this is eternal life. It's not so much that you go to heaven when you die. This is eternal life. That they may know you, the transcendent one true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. To know Jesus is to know God, and to know God is the very thing eternal life is all about. It's all about getting to know God, expressing himself in the person of Jesus Christ. And I, I've got to say how huge this is for us as a, um, a church that wants to be a church that does and not just talks. We want to be a church that is constantly active with our faith. But man, we wanted to make sure to say that um, we can never afford to believe that, okay, so what we do for Jesus matters more than knowing the person of Jesus ever. We can never start to believe that what we do for Jesus matters more than what Jesus has done for us in coming to earth to reveal who God is and inviting us to know him. We can never as a church lose sight of the truth that it is knowing Jesus and what he's done that will ultimately fuel us to do for Jesus and do for the people in our world. Because it is more than possible, by the way, side note, it is more than possible for us to be really good at doing things for Jesus and never actually come close to him and never actually get lost in delighting in him. But it is not possible to come close to the person of Jesus Christ and not end up doing for Jesus. And as a church, we want to be reminded, even in the words of Paul, it is all and ultimately about this person of Jesus Christ revealed by God and us getting to know him. I'm just asking, is that your growing obsession? If this is true, what Paul is saying, again, implications, then it means, man, it's, it is access for all. It's access for all. Remember, part of what Paul uh, wanted to do here was to destroy the myth that the Gnostics were creating, that there is a special category of people with special knowledge and special, special access to God. And as a church, we've got to destroy that in as much as we find it anywhere. Jesus is God making himself visible and accessible to 
all. And I feel like I should say how sorry I am as part of the church because of the ways that we've created these categories. Like, no, 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 there's a certain level of behavior, or there's a certain way you've got to vote, or there's certain things you've got to do, or there's certain levels of the Bible you've got to know if you're going to come close to God. And Paul says, no, 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 no. We tried everything we knew to come close to God. None of it worked. And so he lashed out in Jesus and came close to us. And he came close to us in a way that gives every single one of us equal access to God through the person of Jesus Christ. May we destroy any categories that make anybody ever walk into a church and feel like, oh, y'all are special and unique like Gnostics and you have a unique access to God. Nope. Because you behave yourselves or because you quit doing this thing or because you think this way. Nope. God has made himself visible and accessible only in one way, and that is the person of Jesus Christ. May all categories collapse in light of who he is. God climbed down to make himself visible. The question is, do you believe that? No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter what category you've belonged to, no matter what's going on in your life right now, God has made himself available in the person of Jesus. Jesus is what God looks like. Jesus is God coming close. Jesus is God making himself accessible. John 14, 6. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me, which also means everyone comes to the Father only through me. Um, let me make one last observation because this is going to turn a corner for, for where we are going to spend some time talking over the next um, couple of weeks. If Jesus is a son and the physical expression of God, woo, it means it must all matter. It must all matter. Again, we'll talk about this more in the coming weeks, but listen to me. We live in a culture that increasingly pushes the Gnostic idea that you can do whatever you want and it's really up to you. It really doesn't matter. It's just the way you were wired at birth. It's just physical. It's just my body. I mean, this is spiritual side, yeah, but that's just what I'm doing with my body. And then Paul jumps in and he makes this statement, y'all, and can we just get super practical in church? Jesus is the physical, Siri, stop it. Jesus is the physical picture of God. Think about this. And we talked about this with the Grace student family some weeks ago. Of all the ways God could have chosen to reveal himself to the world, what did he choose? A human body. <laughs> what? I'm just saying, pause, ponder that for a hot minute. A human body. How much must a human body matter to God so much that he chose to reveal himself in one and not just for 33 years y'all 
right now, Jesus is seated in heaven in a human body. Scars and everything. The human body matters to him. Mm. Mm-mm. Don't ever believe the Gnostic lie that separates things and says, well, God just cares about my heart and my soul. I'm just going to come to church and I'm going to worship God with my soul. And then I'm going to leave and I'm going to do whatever I want with my body. Ooh. That's Gnosticism. That is creating this separation that no longer exists, never did, but revealed powerfully in what Jesus did. Oh, Jesus just came to save my soul. Oh, no, no, no. Save your soul and your mind and your heart and your body. I don't know if you knew this, but when he returns, we sang about it. Your body will get on up from the grave and experience instant upgrade and renovation and you are going to live forever and ever and ever in your body. Or you better get used to it. It will get upgraded though. I'm saying that for those of us in our 40s with hip hip pain for no reason. (laughs) Come quickly, Lord. I'm going to just worship him with my soul and do whatever I want with my body. It all matters. How you eat, what you do sexually matters. How you hurt matters. What you do to your body, what you put in your body, what you do with your body, what you ink on your body, it all matters. And someone needs to hear that. And we joked about this, and I'm going to joke about it again. It is so fascinating to me that um, Jesus is the picture of what God looks like. Physical picture. And come on now. It is interesting to me that you can study the Bible and it will barely tell you what Jesus looked like physically. I'm like, wait, what? It's fascinating to me. The only thing the Bible tells us about Jesus Physically, is that he wasn't cute. You don't believe me. Uh, Isaiah chapter 53, we'll put it on the screen. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. You would never have done a double take if Jesus walked by. You would never have hit like on his Instagram profile picture. What am I trying to say? God came to earth in a human body. Let me rephrase that. The most glorious being ever came to earth as a four. (laughs) And I feel like I'm being generous based on the word of God. Can I just say it? What a beautiful message because apparently unrivaled glory and beauty was not about how he looked in his body, It was about how he lived in his body. It matters, but not the way we think. 
Otherwise, the Bible would have told us how to honor God with our appearance. It was about how Jesus walked in the world and spoke to his neighbor, his character, his generosity, what he did and how he lived in his body. This idea that matter doesn't matter, I can do whatever I want, it's just my body, you're going to see that die as we come closer to Jesus, who looks like a four, but he loves like a 10, and God is like, that's me, that's what I look like. I love it, God looked average. And he's going to spend eternity in the same body that's like, What an amazing reminder. It matters. And what matters is how we choose to live in these bodies that he has given us. When we talk about following Jesus, it is not I'm just following in my prayer life and in my worship life and in my this life. No, no, no. What you look at, what you touch, how you think, how you interact with people. That in all things, Jesus Christ might have preeminence. And here's the beauty of it. As I start to live like Jesus lived, I start to look like Jesus looked. And low-key, I start to reflect the image of God imperfectly, though it might be. Your body matters. Um, Again, not so much in how the dumb people rate your appearance. Nah. But the way you choose to live. Jesus lived perfectly and he died unjustly, and he rose victoriously in his body, it matters. What an amazing thing for us to get reacquainted with Jesus, to get to know Jesus who is the fullness of God expressed to us so that we can come close to him and live in him and look like him and learn that it all matters because in all things he is central father i pray that you would do whatever it is you want to do in each of our lives um move in us um speak to us make jesus central to us it's in his name we pray amen Thanks so much for tuning in to today's message. We hope to see you next Sunday. We would love to personally invite you to one of our services at 9 and 1045 a.m. in the Performing Arts Center in Warsaw Community High School at One Tiger Lane in Warsaw, Indiana. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please make sure to subscribe, review, and connect with us on social media by following Mission Point CC. You can also contribute to what God is doing through Mission Point. Simply visit missionpoint.net slash give and give a gift today. Thanks again for joining us. Have a great week.